Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the U.S. credit rating. You know, yesterday, we've got the uh, the rating that came in from Fitch, which is one of the three major rating systems amongst Moody and S&P Global Rankings. And it's kind of interesting because 12 years ago, 12 years ago from the day in which we're doing this podcast, the U.S. credit rating was downgraded during that time for about a three-day span to where it was rated from a triple-A down to a double-A plus, and that's exactly what happened again yesterday on a 12-year cycle. And this will be the second time in history we've seen that happen here in modern-day history. And so one of the things that we take a look at is why would that happen? Why would one of the rating systems come out and kind of downgrade the, the U.S. credit? Well, Let's talk about it because it's something we've been talking about on the show for quite some time. We've said, hey, listen, there's implications to the debt ceiling. There's implications to the national debt. I mean, if you go back and look at episode 69 we did, we did a whole episode on the national debt and the implications with that. We talked about 32 going on 33. That's the name of the episode, 32 trillion going on 33 trillion. We're, we're, we're on the way there. Seriously, it probably over the course of the next quarter, maybe by the end of the year, we're going to be there. And what's happening is that the United States is operating at a deficit budget right now. And we talked about what that meant. We talked about the implications on episode 69, but we're going to bring a little bit back up today and we're going to talk about why Fitch would do that downgrading. What does that mean? The Federal Reserve just came off fresh of raising interest rates. What does that mean? Why did they do it? What does it look like come September? And and talk a little bit about the implications of that as well, because all all of this is starting to stack up to something that from the very beginning, the very first episode we did, we talked about the Federal Reserve will go and press the limits until they break something and they put a stress on the United States economy. And that's what's starting to happen. And we're going to give you some foreshadowing to what we think the Federal Reserve is going to do because of that. Now, we're also going to talk about why we've missed the mark a little bit. We have. We've missed the mark on shots that we've called. However, I still think the mark is accurate, but the timeline is delayed, and we'll talk about what's delaying that timeline and why. But let's first start with Fitch and what they did here and why they were citing it as a downgrade. Well, what the first thing is they're saying is the United States has too much debt. They have way too much debt, and, and they're accurate. I mean, we're 32 going on 33, and that they're citing the debt ceiling has, has just become too much. And when you go back, what was it, two, three months ago, we did a whole episode on the debt ceiling and what took place with that, the suspension of the debt ceiling and what that meant. And essentially go to show exactly why the United States government has operated a deficit. They also said that there is a deteriorating economic outlook and erosion, their words, erosion of governments, basically, of government, excuse me, basically citing the debt ceiling fiasco and what happened, how the two sides couldn't come together to stretch it way out further than they should have to come to the conclusion that we all know is foregone. But I want to go back to one thing they said, deteriorating economic outlook. How is that possible? How is that possible we're having a deteriorating economic outlook when we're being told by the current administration we have a strong economy? We're being told by the Federal Reserve that that, that we're not going into a recession, that, that the recession is not as imminent as we once thought. We're being told these things that, you know, it's almost like the emperor has no clothes, ignore, ignore, ignore. But yet one of the major rating systems says, no, we found something. We, we found a lot of somethings. You got too much debt and deteriorate economic outlook. And so, you know, from a creditor standpoint, um, you know, I'm a lender, right? You know, so let's say I'm a lender. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. If your credit goes down, are you a lower risk or a higher risk? You're a higher risk. Now, we're still the best risk of all the other, you know, credit ratings out there. But the fact that it was, and you still, the, you know, we're still the, the world currency, but the fact that it was downgraded, that's going to cause some things to happen that, that, 
you know, implications. For example, the bond market's going to take a hit because of this, because you're, you're, you're basically going to have to incentivize more people to buy your, your credit because of the downgrading that took place with that. So there's going to be some um, incentives that, that happen as that deteriorates. And, you know, even at a double A plus bond rating, like I said, it's still the highest amongst its peers, but it does put a cloud over the AAA bond rating that we had, and it does put a cloud over some things that have been ignored. Number one, the national debt. We've talked about that over and over again. And then number two, the economic conditions. So let's go quickly to what the Fed did last week. The Fed raised rates a quarter. It was a foregone conclusion. You know, I'll admit it. I was wrong. I did a whole episode on the pause heard around the world. I said, listen, they're not going to raise that. I don't think they're going to do it. And what happened is as we got closer to the Federal Reserve meeting, the Federal Reserve got some positive outlooks that came their way. The CPI got better. They also had uh, favorable, you know, uh, BLS job reports that came out, and so things were kind of going their way. But the target, the target rate was not met as far as inflation is concerned, and unemployment rate actually went down when they want to see it go up. So they raised it. They felt systemically they could do that. It wouldn't cause any type of pressure to the system, and so they added that quarter. And by this time, the markets had already priced that in. And, you know, in our world, it didn't really cause this pandemonium because it was already expected. It was basically a foregone conclusion before they even got to the meeting. But I will say this, there's a couple things that Powell said coming out of that meeting that I want to talk about that I thought were really important. Number one, he's still indicating that there's one more rate hike. Will it be in September or will it be in October? We don't know, but there's one more rate hike that's coming. Here's what's interesting to me. After that one more rate hike, and let's say we go to 575 on the Fed funds rate, it really doesn't make a difference from where we are to five and a half to five, seven, five. This, this quarter that he's discussing isn't going to make a difference because after that, that's all they got. After that happens, that's it. Because they're already discussing, they being the Federal Reserve and Powell already saying, we see rate cuts imminent in 2024, early 2024. That is sending a signal to the market saying, hey, we are ready to go back to QE. We expect rate cuts to happen. But that poses the question, how could we have rate cuts if we're not meeting the target rate of inflation at 2% and the unemployment rate is going down and it's not going up? Now, this Friday, being tomorrow, we're recording this podcast on Thursday. On Friday, we're getting a mega report. We're getting the BLS report and unemployment numbers. We need to see those numbers perform at the level in which the following things. We need to see the unemployment numbers go up. Unfortunately, that needs to happen. That's part of this whole agenda the Federal Reserve has going right now. And then we need to see the BLS job reports actually come in less than expected and not exuberantly high. With that being said, the Federal Reserve is also saying the following things. According to Powell, I'm looking at his commentary here as I'm doing this. When he said, you know, potentially no rate cut this year. And he said, excuse me, not another rate cut this year. He did say potentially that may not happen. However, we're what? We're, we're almost three quarters of the way as we're doing this podcast, three quarters through the end of the year. So that's not that big a deal, but no rate cut this year, but that it would be imminent in 2024. And he's almost letting the cat out of the bag for the market saying, hey, listen, hang on. Relief is on the way. He also removed the mild recession from the forecast. They had talked about a mild recession happened. They had removed any type of uh, indication or worry or concern of a mild recession, which I thought was interesting. And he acknowledged that the rate cuts are happening before they achieve their target rate of 2%. He actually said 2% target rate inflation may not even be achieved till 2025, but we're okay with that because we think we've done enough and that we're going to go ahead and potentially cut rates in 2024. And that's interesting because the, the flip side of that coin was, well, if you start easing again, aren't you actually going to make inflation potentially worse? Isn't that what got us here in the first place? And so that part of the commentary was a little foggy, but it'll be interesting to see because if you go back to 
Again, a couple of our episodes, we talk about all the time the Federal Reserve since 1998 has an addictive policy to easing. It's really, it's really their major, um, you know, antidote to any problems that happen in the markets. It's how they ease the markets. It's how they bring more value to the markets by bringing more opportunities of flooding the market with more money. And I think this is interesting, or I guess you could say more opportunities to get the money here. But it's interesting that he also said in the policy that the Federal Reserve is going from restrictive to accommodating, that they mentioned their policy would go from restrictive to accommodating in 2024. That's 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 very, very clutch there because that's saying we're going from tightening to easing. And that's why I'm sitting here going, well, you know what? Yeah, we missed the mark on when we think rates are going to come down. And hell, they may peak at eight. We I don't know. But I do know this. It's going to ease when it's going to get better. And as they put quantitative easing policy into place, we're going to see those rates come down. And when we see those rates come back down, we're going to see an influx in the real estate market that we haven't seen really since 2020 late and then 2021. And it it's going to happen. The timeline is where we were off on that. We did miss the mark on the timeline, but it is going to happen. And think about this. Why would Powell send this type of signal to the markets that rates are set to be cut in 2024 and we're going to cut them before we reach our target inflation. Why would he do that? Well, because everything the Federal Reserve has done over the last really decade, past two decades, has to protect the markets. They protect multiple markets, the equity markets, the housing market. I mean, if you think about this, well, I think housing makes up 16.5% of the GDP. The Federal Reserve is there to protect the markets. And if they come out and they say, well, you know, we're just going to keep tightening and tightening until we get to 2%, they're going to go till they break something. They know it. it. It's actually unraveling right in front of them. And the pressure they continue to put on the regional banking system by raising interest rates, it's shown with Signature. It's shown with First Republic. Obviously, SVB, a different story, but it still showed up there. He is sending signals saying help is on the way. And not only that, the Richmond Fed president, Barkin, seemed to be less optimistic on the economy and believes that we're still in for a potential recession and that his exact words were, you know, he didn't see or need to see a rate hike in September. So here we have another Fed board member saying that, listen, I don't I don't know that we're through the thick and thin of this, and we may have done enough. And when Dan Habib was on our show, he uses this example of, you know, when you get in the shower and you turn it on, and it's really hot, you just flip it to hot automatically and you get in there and it's steaming hot and you're like, oh crap. And you turn it automatically back to cold, but you should have been somewhere in the middle. That's what he feels like the Federal Reserve was doing right now. They they moved it all the way to hot water. Now they're going to go back to cold when they go into easing. It will be a huge turn of events as it happens. And, you know, and go back to 2018, 2019. Uh, fourth quarter 2018, what did the Federal Reserve do? They went, they attempted to go into a tightening. Rates got up. Economy was starting to make a turn for the worse. Stock market was taking some hits. What did they do? Quantitative easing. And again, it was like a faucet switch that happened going into Q1 of 19. And we saw significant get rate drops in 2019. And, you know, another thing that's interesting about this is this isn't the first time we've gotten to this level. And I hear people, you know, hey, Quentin, I know back in the 70s, 80s, rates were in this 16, 17% range. But let's go as, let's not go that far. Let's go back to 2001. 2001, the Fed funds rate matched where the Fed funds rate is now, and rates were where they were right now. Matter of fact, they even got to 8%. Well, when they got to that, what happened? Two, three, four. 2002, 2003, 2004, those rates came all the way down in the upper fours. So this isn't the first time we've seen this happen or this policy of quantitative easing offset some of the tightening policy that's happened. But before we finish up here, I want to revisit that national debt issue that we spoke about in episode 69 when we said 32 going on 33. Here's another reason the Federal Reserve may, and I mean just may, start reducing some of that quantitative, or reducing interest rate through quantitative easing. 
we talked about how the debt ceiling, you know, the, the, the compromise that happened suspended the debt ceiling, right? It suspended it, but it didn't put a cap on it. We also showed in that episode how essentially the government's operating at a one and a half trillion dollar deficit. We call, we said, let's just call it two trillion. I think today when you look at it, and we're going to put this website here, the usdebtclock.org, it looks like it's operating at a negative 1.2, or excuse me, a negative 1.6 trillion dollars right now, negative 1.6 trillion. In that episode, we also broke down how long it would take you to spend a trillion dollars and what that meant. I thought that was very interesting. But this is one of the things we talked about. Some of that debt, and I believe it's about 5.2 to 5.6 trillion dollars of that debt is coming to term, meaning that it's maturing off of the previous term that it was financed on. It was financed at a much lower rate than today's rate. And when that debt comes due and has to be refinanced onto the new terms, and you're going to pick short-term notes, you're going to do it. You don't want to lock that debt up for 10, you know, 30 plus years. You're going to put it on a shorter-term note. Well, what's short-term rates doing right now? What happens to short-term rates when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates? They go up and they go up quickly. It's almost instantaneously. We're looking at short-term debt in the, in the upper fives, five and a halves right now. So what are they going to do? They're going to take it off a very low term debt interest rate, and they're going to put it on a much higher yielding interest rate. That's going to add more pressure to the national debt payment that's associated with that national debt. And that is something that is also looming out there in the background. Another reason why I think the Federal Reserve will put the brakes on and start going backwards on the quantitative easing as opposed to staying forward on the quantitative tightening. And I will tell you this, you almost feel like the bond market's getting crushed right now because of really what we're seeing happen, you know, the, the raising interest rates and then, you know, the downgrading of the, of the, of the credit policy or excuse me, downgrade of the U S credit. And there's a lot of monetary policy applying pressure to the bond market right now. But at the same time, when the federal reserve is saying, Hey, help is on the way. It does kind of send some flashes out there that we could see some relief coming and that relief could show up sooner than later. And I will say this, what saves the market more than anything and we can go back to that commentary about 2018, 2019, quantitative easing. And when I say saves the market, offers reliefs. It brings it into a almost like a uh, like a, a, a phase of, of instant relief. We start to see a downfall of interest rates. We start to see pressure being put on the bond market. And we start to see the Federal Reserve step in and do what? Play towards the markets. Because we talked about they are there to ensure the success of the markets, whether they want to admit it or not, all of their policies and all of their actions represent that. And that's what I think see starting to unfold right now in front of us here. So if you guys like what you're hearing, please share this episode, five-star review us. If you would check us out on Apple, Spotify, also on Google and Amazon, check us out on YouTube. We'll have the links and some of the graphs from the show on there. Subscribe to our channel. And then guys, check us out on our social at what's your one more with the number one at what's your one more with the number one. Till then, we'll see you guys on the next episode. I got one more shot, I'm going to make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah